2: And welcome to another Friday show of the Work-Life Balance. We're so excited everybody's with us. Uh, We're always so blessed by the listeners. And based on the numbers that I continue to get you, you are growing and growing as a listening audience. So we certainly appreciate that. Last week's show was phenomenal. We had so much fun doing that in front of a live audience uh, from the PMI Birmingham Symposium. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, uh, that show is recorded as all of our shows are recorded. You can go to www.voiceamerica.com. Uh, search for the work-life balance and see all of our past shows. But it was a fantastic show. I was joined by uh, John Stenbeck uh, on stage, live in front of an audience as we were broadcasting live around the world. And as always, uh, broadcasting now uh, live from Birmingham, Alabama. So we're so excited to, to be here again. Uh, upcoming appearances. Uh, I'm going to be in New York City uh, next week uh, on the USS Intrepid uh, from the Resource Planning Summit. So uh, looking forward to meeting some of you in person. Hopefully you guys can come out and see that if you go to resourceplanningsummit.com. I'm going to be the closing keynote speaker at a two-day event uh, out there uh, with uh, Paul Samarill and a couple of the people that have actually been on this show uh, already. Uh, so if you go to resourceplanningsummit.com, you can see all the details uh, as we'll be coming to you to New York City. Uh, also coming up uh, in June, uh, the 16th and 17th, going to be in Fort Wayne, Indiana, speaking at the uh, PMI conference out there. Uh, joining our friend John Stenbeck again uh, as he's put together a fantastic event for the people in Fort Wayne. Uh, so I'll be seeing you guys uh, live uh, in Indiana again uh, then as well. But today, uh, I've got a gentleman. You know, I met this uh, this gentleman at the uh, John Maxwell event that I've spoken so much about. Uh, and uh, immediately when I met him, I, you know, I heard him speak and, and was drawn to him uh, right away. And we've since had a couple of phone conversations ourselves, uh, drawn to this person, and uh, really excited to have him kind of share his vision, share who uh, he's about. Uh, he fits the topic perfectly of the work-life balance. Uh, it's a great mixture of, of people that we bring onto the show uh, and just so excited to speak to him. He's actually the president of Word Talk Productions. He's a certified inspirational speaker, teacher, transformational coach uh, with the John Maxwell team. He's a formerly, just like me, frustrated corporate employee, Uh, and he takes that frustration and he helps people create blazing wildfires of success in their businesses and lives by the way of his speaking, coaching, and writing. Helps individuals and organizations identify and clarify who they are and and helps them find their passion and fulfill their purpose. I mean, what greater life uh, calling than, than that? Uh, he earned his bachelor of science degree in agribusiness and applied e- economics. Uh, he's from the Ohio State University, and his master of science in business and leadership and management from Ohio Dominican University. And uh, want to welcome him to the show, Mr. Eric J. Watts. Eric, how you doing, brother? I'm doing
3: well, Rick. How you doing, man?
2: Man, we're hanging in there. I've got got a little bit of a cold. Uh, The the people that listen to me all all the time, they can they can tell there's a little hitch in the voice, but we're working through that as we always do in this business. You know, when you talk for a living, you know this is our tool, man. This is this is how we get through it. But you know, we're hanging. We're doing our thing. So, uh, Eric, tell man. Yeah, man, we got to do what we got to do. But tell uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, man.
3: Wow. Let's see. So, one, I want to thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Um, um, it's an honor to be able to, to speak with your audience and to be on here with you today. I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, Rick, I'm uh, originally from Akron, Ohio, as, as uh, this other guy, some people may know in your audience, LeBron James. He's also from my hometown, but I'm more famous than he is. The world just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you can shoot like him, too, right? right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anytime I get on the court, look out. Literally, look out, because I may not hit the basket, but I may hit you. So you may want to beware when I'm on the court, a little bit (laughs) dangerous (laughs) sometimes. Well, I live in Columbus, Ohio now with with my dog, and and a lot of my life right now, Rick, is uh, centered around uh, my fiance. i I'm getting married in September, so we're combining households. She lives in in Pennsylvania. She's also a a jmt -er, and uh, it still provides me the opportunity to do what I love, which is speaking teaching and and coaching and encouraging people wow and, and that that's going to be a powerful household man
2: of both of you being JMTers, man oh yeah and, and for those of you that don't understand the acronym that is the john maxwell team and, and so i'm a a recent inductee into that into that uh group and uh so i joined up uh, this past march uh, you go into the august event
3: I will not be there in August. I, I usually hit the uh, the conference just once a year, and March is my time because, unlike you fortunate people in the South, I live up here in the cold, snowy Midwest. So it's always a good to get a, it's always good to get out of here sometime in February or March down there into that Florida sunshine.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so I'll be heading out in August. I'm actually bringing a couple of associates to to expose them to that. But that that event is is touching. It it, it uh, you know I had. Uh, I had gone into it and, and I did a whole show actually the week after that um you know in, in explaining my journey to to JMT and uh you know talked about that I, that I went into it with selfish reasons and I think I actually shared mm-hmm. that with you in our personal conversation that we had afterwards yeah. and and uh, just how how it opened me up and and opened me up to the journey and in how I heard certain you know things uh, spoken to me at that event, but uh, combining households, uh, a, a new family, and both of you being GMT—that's got to be pretty powerful.
3: Yeah, it, it's you know it, it's interesting. It uh, just a few years ago when I joined, Jane uh, and my fiance was already a part of the team, and I, I saw the opportunity a few years prior to that, and I was still in—I was still at that point a frustrated corporate employee at JP Morgan Chase at the time and I said, Ah, you know, I'll do it maybe I'll do it some other time. And just as I got to the point in my corporate career or where I was I was released and it is, you know, God released me to be able to go to leave there, that's when I said, you know what, this is the perfect time for the John Maxwell team to to come up, for it to be a part of what I'm getting ready to do. So as I was leaving just a few years ago It made perfect sense to sign up and and dive right into everything that I know that I've been uh, called and and purposed to do in my life. So
2: you've got this program called Delegate to Elevate, and it's a leadership coaching and training program. Why don't you tell the the audience a little bit about that?
3: Sure, I'd be glad to. So Delegate to Elevate is, is simply this. When we think about delegation, and the way most of us are taught about delegation is, Okay, you got a vice president or someone who works for you or, or under you, however you want to, to term it, and or even if it's an intern, for example, and you give that person the things that you don't want to do, the things uh, that are maybe the grunt work or the things that aren't so so pretty, so you can focus on other more important things. And I think for a long time that we've seen delegation wrong. We've seen it incorrectly. Delegation should be used, as you just said in the title of my program, to elevate people. Because here's the thing about it. When you delegate to someone, your thinking should be this. I want to help this person reach their goals. I want to help them to become more, whether you're working in a corporate setting or in your own business or in some other way. Even if it's a, a team, if you're thinking about sports, you want to help that person reach their highest potential. So you don't, want to help, you don't want to give them the assignments that are just run of the mill. Let's say something like filing papers or you know, answering phones, and those are important jobs in their own right. But when you see someone who has the kind of potential that you know needs to be tapped into and just needs to be honed and shaped just a little bit, you want to give people, those kinds of people, the kinds of things that are going to challenge them, that are going to watch this, put them in front of other people who are going to notice their talents, their gifts, their abilities, their skills. So when you delegate to someone, the goal should be always to be elevating that someone, giving them something that is going to make them shine where they otherwise wouldn't.
2: So I don't think people think about it that way, right? It's normally these are the five tasks I don't want to do so I'm going to go give it to this person over here, right? So how do you get people outside of that mode of thinking?
3: Right. You know, it's, it's like many things, Rick. It starts with the conversation and it starts the way I started is having That basic conversation with someone asking, so what does delegation mean to you? And almost every single time they give the kind of answer that you just described, where it's, well, you know, I I have my secretary or I have my intern. I have this person who works on my team and, uh, you know, anything that I don't want to do or that I don't have time for, I give to them. And that's not the way it should be. We've all got lots of things on our plates, lots of things that we need to get done. But if we're really, see, here's, here's where the key is. If we're really leading people, if we're really leaders, then leaders should recognize, well, wait a minute, there's more to this. I want to do my best to help uplift and, watch this, create other leaders. If I see this in someone and I want to tap into it and help pull it out of them, one of the best ways for me to do that, to create other leaders, is to delegate things that are going to elevate them. So in a sense... I call it the art of the pull-up. So you're, you're helping to pull that person or pull those people up when you're delegating those types of responsibilities and, watch this, some of those leadership responsibilities to them. So it's having that conversation and shaping it in such a way that people understand, okay, this is what it means to delegate. It's a paradigm shift. You're going to think about it in an entirely different way now is what I say to them. You have to get out of the old way of thinking Forget the box. The box doesn't exist. We've shattered it. We've cracked it. We've beaten it down. The box is now a bunch of toothpicks. So what we're doing now is saying, okay, this is what delegation is and will be from this point forward for you and your team. And once they take that in and take that on, it changes their teams. It changes the way that their teams think. So now among teammates, you have them pulling each other up and going even outside of the team to pull others up along the way.
2: And so that's an interesting concept, right? And if you, if you start to meld that with some of the teachings and things that we've learned and, and you go uh-huh. to uh, what John says, right? And, and the thing that I find so powerful, one of the, the, the core principles that, that he teaches is when I wake up and, and I look at my calendar, how am I going to add value to my uh-huh. people every day? And so That's merging right. that with your concept that you start thinking about how are you going to elevate your team members every day? Is that, is that pretty much the core concept? That's absolutely
3: correct. It, that is absolutely correct, Rick. It is looking at it that way and not just looking at it but then doing it. Because here's the thing. If we're not adding value to someone every day in some way, we're probably wasting time. There's something that we can all do every day for at least one person that is going to add value to them. And it doesn't it doesn't even have to be someone that we know. It can be someone that we're passing along the street in the grocery store, at church, at civic events, wherever else that, the, the places that we may go. But we can add value to people in very simple ways, and one of those ways is very simply saying hello and being friendly and kind to one another. And I know we've got this random acts of kindness day that happens once a year where you know people go out and do something like that, that should be something that we do every day. Just a, not even a random act of kindness. Just be kind. Don't let it be random. Just be kind. Be good to people because you don't know the battle that someone else is fighting. You don't know. You don't know what's going on in their life. And even if, watch this, even if things are going well for them, even if things are going great for them, you offering a good word to them, a kind word to them, a little bit of a conversation is going to help them even more so. And then they're going to take what you've sowed into their life and sow it into the lives of other people. And what an amazing
2: world it could become if we do that. You're listening to Eric Watts right now. This is the Work-Life Balance. We're going to take a quick break and listen to our sponsors. We'll be back on the other side. This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
0: today every business is in the software business and business is booming that's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day it's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage where applications aren't just part of your brand they are your brand all of this means you have a new mandate build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy.
2: And we are back. And, of course, that music always signals the work-life balance, uh, the unreleased track from the party that we love so much. And Eric and I were just commenting on that uh, in the break. Uh, you guys can listen to that show. It's the show with Damon Pampolina, Chase Hampton. Of course, always Didi Magno, always uh, uh, great uh, uh, fans of the show and people to uh, talk to. I'm hoping to run into uh, Didi uh, in June. Uh, she's uh, traveling with the Broadway show If Then. Uh, which is going to be rolling through Nashville here in just a couple of weeks. So uh, for those of you that are fans of the show and fans of the party, uh, that's what's happening with them. So back to Eric Watts. Uh, we were talking about uh, Delegate to Elevate and uh, what a fantastic platform that is and just you know, being kind to people, how to raise people up. Um, I've actually got a personal story I think uh, that, that I'm going to bounce off of you here, Eric, uh, just in my personal journey, but I'd love to find out just how you got started doing this.
3: Sure. You know, Rick, um, it goes back a ways for me. I've always loved to speak. I was never a person who was afraid to be in front of a a microphone or be in front of a crowd with a mic in my hand or attached to me and speak to crowds, even going back to... uh, I I just remember giving Easter speeches in church growing up. I was never the kid who was shy and didn't know his speech. No, I I took it as a, a challenge, and I said, all right, yeah, and I learned my speeches and memorized them and would go from from there and, and, and give them in church and middle school, high school giving speeches for various class offices and similar things in, in college as well, giving speeches and it's something that I always wanted to do but at some point my course took a little bit of a detour and I became a business major in school as opposed to majoring in communications. so it, it goes back pretty far for me and I, I discovered kind of early on, maybe as far back as high school that I said okay, I'm gonna seems like I'm an okay speech writer, and people tend to laugh at the little quips that I make. You know, maybe there's a future in this. But again, back to that detour, it took me a a little bit of a ways to get back to where I am now. I've always been an encourager. I've always been someone who wanted to lift people up and fire people up in my speeches. But I've always wanted to do something else in my speeches and when I teach and train as well, and that is I like to sting people a little bit, and that is I I refer to myself sometimes as a challenging encourager because what good is encouragement if there's no challenge with it? If you're going to be better, there's got to be some kind of resistance, if you will. It's like weight training. Well, if you're lifting weights, there's a resistance for your muscles, so you're lifting and you're becoming stronger in that way, lifting weights, doing push-ups, whatever it may be. So it's the same thing or a similar concept when I speak teach or, or coach. I challenge my audiences. I challenge the person or the people that I'm coaching. And sometimes they don't like it very much. Quite often they don't like it very much, but it's okay because if they leave my presence or leave my talk and they're a little bit angry with me, I consider that a good thing because I've done my job. That means i challenge challenged them in some way. I've hit something and I've stung them just enough for them to start to reconsider exactly what it is that they're doing exactly where it is that they're going exactly what it is that they could be doing if they bought into and started to actually pick up on the challenge that's right before them.
2: So essentially no action without the equal reaction.
3: Absolutely. You got
2: it. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, you say that our different courses and the way our lives take, you know, I started college as radio and television broadcasting. Right. And so 20 years later, I I finally get my radio show. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) you know, it took took us some time for us to realize our dreams. And if it wasn't for Winston Price and our, you know, our fantastic engineer, Matt, that that helps us out to, to help us realize these things. But, uh, you know, uh, I always thought I'd be on the radio. It just took you know twenty years. Um, but uh, so you said you worked in the corporate world. Uh, why? Why did you leave the comfort zone in, in corporate America? And, and, and you know, I get that question all the time too. Is you know how what what led led you to, to branch out, and, and how can you sustain you know that 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 comfort zone?
3: Rick, it was. It was um, a unique time in my life. I had, had spent a lot of time, a number of years at Morgan Chase, prior to that at Citibank. Uh, it was a, under a different name when I worked there. Citibank bought the company that I worked for, and I never fit in. That is, I looked the part, and I talked the part, but there was still something missing in all of the, the roles that I held, worked my way up into management, and all of those wonderful things, and it is, you know, good salary, good paying job, you know, Benefits were good, tons of vacation. It was all, all good, as, as some would say. But I'd go to work every day, at least at a certain, in certain stages, and I'd be miserable. And it was a matter of, okay,
1: when am I going to get out of
3: here? And it wasn't for lack of applying for other jobs. I did plenty of that. Um, and sometimes doors would open, and I'd turn the job down because it wasn't the right thing. But ultimately, I got to the place where, I learned to be content with where I was. See, some of my time was spent pointing the fingers, pointing my finger at other people, saying, oh, it's his fault and it's her fault. And I realized, well, wait a minute, it's not their fault. It's on me. And it's on me to make this change. So I had to make an adjustment in myself, make an adjustment into uh, into my attitude to say, all right, Erica, this is going to be the way that it's supposed to be. You've got to fix things here. You've got to give up. And that is, you've got to get up and and turn it loose, if I can put it that way. Give it up and turn it loose. And that is... You've got to let go of all this stuff. You've got to forgive people. It doesn't matter what's happened. You've got to move forward. You can't go around teaching and preaching this stuff, if you will, if you're not going to live it. So at some point, um, very, very quickly here, I reached a point where I knew that it was time to go after asking and praying, uh, asking the Lord to release me. And he never did until this one day where I was sitting in my interview uh, or not an interview, but with my, uh, my manager in uh, my mid-year review, and I heard the voice of the Lord say to me very plainly, Eric, your time, it chases up. It's time to go. Well, at this point, I don't want to go because now I reached a place where I was content. I was good with where I was. I was good with my management team. I was okay with everything So, because I knew it's where the Lord wanted me. But see, here's the thing. Once I finally gave up and said, okay, whatever you want to do, Lord, it's your will be done, that's when he said, now, now you're someone that I can really use. Now I'm going to take you, I'm going to send you where I really need you to go. I'm going to have you doing exactly what it is that I need you to do. So that's what ultimately led me from the comfortable confines of the corporate world out here into this wonderful entrepreneurial space that I'm in now. And it's, it is not an easy space to live in. No, sir
2: you know when when we talk about and, and you know i teach from from johns book sometimes you win sometimes you learn and it talks about uh-huh. you have your strength zone and you have your comfort zone and in the best place to be is inside your strength zone which you certainly found in the, in the speaking and coaching world but outside your comfort zone which is that entrepreneurial entrepreneurial space right so yeah. if you're inside your strength zone but outside your comfort zone that's where the greatest winning is possible and and people don't understand that, you know, when when you're talking about those two zones. But when you're outside that comfort zone and you're not afraid to fail and mm-hmm. you're not afraid to try new things and get out that's there, right. that's when the greatest growth can occur. Talk talk a little bit about that. I mean certainly you've 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 fallen on your face, certainly you've you've had some horrible losses, but the, the growth that comes from that is, is tenfold or paramount than in that corporate world.
3: You're absolutely right, Rick. You know, when I walked away from everything that I'd ever known in my adult life in terms of my adult working life, I didn't have a trust fund. My family didn't have a lot of money. Uh, there's no rich uncle. And if there was a rich uncle, they have been playing a dirty trick on me for a number of years. So someone needs to fess up and say, hey, you know, here, here's the money that we've been holding, holding for you. Now you get it. Uh, uh, hopefully that's not going to happen because I would be quite upset, but I'd get over it pretty quickly. <laughs> but that wasn't the case for me. I didn't have a a bunch of uh, financial uh, uh, stability in that way. When I took this leap, I had some savings and I had a plan and it goes back to what I, I knew that I was supposed to do. You know, I was asking, you know, when can I leave? And uh, you know, it was okay, Eric, but when you have a plan, as soon as you have it, you can leave. And initially I started out and I said, okay, yeah, I got it. And initially there were some failures, you know, the, because my name was known in, Col- in Columbus or in the corporate world in a way that, okay, if I go here, people are familiar with what I've done and what I do. And if, if not, they can find out pretty quickly. But stepping out into this space, in this city, in this major metropolitan area, it's, it's the old, uh, old thing. You know, sometimes you've got to go where everyone knows your name. Well, I stepped into a space where nobody knew my name. So, of course, there were some setbacks initially in terms of, one, me thinking, well, I'm going to do this. And I'll give this talk and this speech, and it'll be great. And the people will come in, the clients will come in by the dozens, by the hundreds and thousands. And then that didn't happen. So I said, "Uh uh-oh, okay, well, that's when the doubt and disbelief start to kick in. But that's when you have to then kick them right back out and say, no, I refuse to doubt. I refuse to not believe, one, what God has told me and what he's called me to do. Two, I refuse not to believe in myself. So and as an entrepreneur, those things happen throughout, whether you're starting up or you're somewhere in the middle, and even sometimes, watch this as you have further progressed further into your business, whether you're making a lot of money or or you're comfortable, sometimes those doubts and fears still creep in, but you've got to what I like to say is you've got to serve them eviction notices. They don't have to go home, but they got to get the heck up out of here. That's right. So it's telling those things that they've gotta go.
2: That's right, and and we're about to take another break here. But when we come back, I'd like to share some of those stories, right? So, you know, uh, different businesses, how we've grown, how we how we've we've almost failed, and kind of relate some of that back. And also, you know, I think there's a lot of people that listen to us that that do want to get into this speaking world and and talk a little mm-hmm. bit about you know how we got started and and some of those trials and tribulations, because you know a lot of people look at us and and. You know, th- th- we speak all over the world, and and we're successful in that space. But you know, we certainly didn't just wake up and decide to put together a speech and all of a sudden have a business. And I, and I think that there's a lot of people that can benefit from, from your experience in that space. So we're going to take a quick break. Again, let uh, some of our sponsors uh, pay the bills. You're listening to the Work Life Balance. But while we're on that break, uh, please go to World Talk uh, Word. TalkProductions.com. Check out Eric's uh, uh, website. You also, it's WordTalkPro, right? At WordTalkPro uh, is is your Twitter handle. Um, yes, sir, Go check correct. him out. Uh, go go see what he's got to offer. Uh, uh, you got a couple of minutes that you can go search that while we're on break. Uh, go find all ab- up uh, all about uh, Eric, and uh, we'll be back on the other side of this break.
0: It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today: software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you, turn left ahead, the digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto-drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com.
1: Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guests today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's one 472 5790 If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the work-life balance.
2: And we're back. Thank you so much for uh, rejoining the show and, and of course listening to those commercials. They're so important to us. And We always thank CA for being our platinum sponsor. They've been a fantastic partner with us. Uh, we continue to uh, promote their products, uh, had a fantastic session with them this past Friday uh, as they were the sponsor to the PMI Birmingham uh, Symposium, and we did a, did a great session with them. So we're so thankful uh, for them uh, continuing to support the work-life balance and they they've continued to uh, sign up and continue to sponsor us for the, the remaining year. Uh, so we're excited to continue the partnership with them. Uh, as we come back, uh, you know one of the coolest things about hosting your own show is I get great access to people like Eric and be able to share stories with them and, and get some personal coaching for myself and so what was interesting, Eric, is you know you kind of hit a nerve as we were talking in that last segment and certainly around delegation. as I start to think about my own personal successes and failures, you know our squared uh, when we first started r square consulting my company. Um, same thing. There, you, we talk about the timing trap, and, and sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And, and most entrepreneurs are always—they um, fall victim, I think, to the timing trap more than anything else. Right? They're always like, "Well, when I have enough money, or when the kid goes to this, you know, to school, or right, when, right. when this happens, I'll start my business." But there's no, there's never the right time to start your business. That's ever. right. And so when I started R squared, um, I had probably in same situation to you. I probably had two thousand dollars to my name. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, couldn't even make the first payroll when, when, when I decided to incorporate, but we went for it, and we were very, very successful very early on. And I actually um, fell into the success trap where I was overly successful, uh, probably in the best financial situation of, of my life, decided to start another company, and so I went into the delegation mode and was delegating all the stuff I didn't want to do, exactly what you uh-huh. said, um, and was picking up more and more clients and as I brought on more employees, I was giving them tasks, but I, I didn't train them very well. And, and there was part of me that was holding back because I felt like, you know, if I gave them all of me, if I taught them everything uh-huh. that I knew, right. I, I, th- I think there was a part of me that said, you know, then what's stopping them from incorporating themselves and in going to compete with me in the marketplace? Mm-hmm. And so, what I ended up doing was doubling, tripling, even quadrupling my work. And so, it had the exact opposite effect. I ended up starting to lose clients. Uh, I became more and more frustrated. I was overworked. Um, I got really upset every time my phone rang because I was like, why am I hiring these people if I got to end up doing all the work? Right. And uh, I, I, I simply wasn't mature enough or ready to expand the company. And, and, that was something else I heard at, at John Maxwell. I wasn't bringing them value. I certainly wasn't investing in, in making them grow. Um, so what would be your advice to the 2012 Rick Morris in, in resolving some of those situations?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, Rick. It's, um, you know, it's interesting when we find ourselves in the success trap, as you put it. It's, it I think it's even more dangerous than being on the other side because when we're in this we fall into that success trap we become um, sometimes a little complacent in different ways we become a little uh, static as well and, and even though it seems like we are successful externally to a lot of people there's a lot of inner turmoil both internally within ourselves and within our organization, and what people don't see is is, uh, is those things so if I were speaking to 2012 Rick I'd give him at least a couple pieces of advice. And one of them would be, first, don't screw your head off. And here's what I mean by that. And I, I tell this to my students. I teach adult learners at Ohio Dominican here in town. And when they come in, you know how this goes. People see you with a microphone or in front of a classroom or an audience, and automatically you're an immediate authority. You're an expert. Even if you're not, that's what people tend to think. So when they come in, I tell them, hey, don't screw your heads off. Trust what you know. You know something. You've been, most of them, because they are working adults, they've been in this space for a number of years in their jobs and in various roles. Some of them are high up in their their places of work, and some of them are, you know, everyday grunt workers, we'll call them. But I tell them, don't screw your head off. Trust what you know. You've learned something. You've learned something at work, and watch this. Even better than that, you've learned something at and about life. Apply those things. That's the best way you're going to learn in this class. So that's one of the things that I would tell 2012, Rick, is don't screw your head off. Trust what you know. The other thing I would tell him is this. Play to your strengths. You said this a little bit earlier. Play to your strengths. Don't worry about the areas that, okay, well, I don't, I'm not very good at this, and, and there's this thing, and, I, and I, I can't quite figure it out, and I'm not very good at it, but I'm, I'm going to put all of my time into it. Why? It's a waste of your time to do that because at that point, now you're pulling away from the thing that is going to generate income for you, that is playing to your strength. So it's having that balancing act, and it's a bit of a delicate dance. Don't screw your head off. Play to your strength. And the last thing I would say is be comfortable in who you are. You've got to be comfortable with you because until that happens, then you're going to do some of what you just described about well, you know, I I wind up doing all the work and and, and I don't really trust them and, well, I can do it better than they can. Well, why'd you hire them? Why'd you bring them on? And I think a lot of people struggle with that being comfortable in who they are, whether we're talking about 20-year-old college sophomores or juniors or, you know, 60, 70-year-old men and women in everyday life, in various walks of life. Until we learn to be comfortable in who we are, We're never going to get to the point where we can function properly and smoothly and just live life wide open the way it was meant to be lived. You've got to be comfortable in who you are, no matter what. You can't be concerned about what other people think. You can't be concerned about what other people are going to say. They're going to talk anyway. Let them talk. But watch this. Why don't you let them talk while you're being the unique creation that you were designed to be? Just be you and be comfortable and who you are.
2: And so I think that, that, that that's the most fantastic point because I can pour all the knowledge that I have into somebody that doesn't make them who I am, right? Uh-huh. And so I shouldn't fear. So what if they incorporate and try to compete? They're not going to beat me, especially if that's going to be the type of person they are, right? Because right. that really kind of makes them shady in the long run if that that's was right. what my true fear was. Uh-huh. And so the funniest thing about the 2012 version of me and the 2016 version of me is even the 2013, I was so worried about competing with other partners in who mm-hmm. we were versus who they were. And uh-huh. so, you know, 2012 was a big year. 2013, we almost went bankrupt. Wow. Um, and so 2014 and 2015 was all about rebuilding and, and getting back to who we were. And the funniest thing about 2015 is I didn't care what anybody thought, what where we stood, how we stood in the market, whatever. It was just all about doing good business. And we ended up being the, the number one partner in the United States, number two partner in the world. And there was just two of us competing against… You know, companies that had 35, 40 people, some of them say they have 120, which they don't, but they claim it. <laughs> um, and I'm sitting there going, how does a two-person company become the number one partner in the United States representing a product against, you know, 30 to 50 to 70 people? And it was the fact that we didn't care. is <laughs> that we just who we were. And so that statement that you just made is absolutely paramount and I- couldn't agree more.
3: It makes a big, big difference when we're, we're settled in and we're comfortable in, in who we are. And you've got to know what you're supposed to do as well. And that's one of the things that I'm big on that I teach and coach on. I really do try my best and do my best to help people find out what their purpose and passion is, to help them get clarity around that. Because when they do that, that helps them in that same, uh, same avenue, same path of being comfortable in who they are. And until we find that out, we'll be grasping at straws. And we should try different things. It's the only way that we're going to be able to figure out exactly what it is or one of the ways that we figure out exactly what it is that we're supposed to do. But there's no way we should be locked into just one thing because someone said so. That's someone else's plan. That's someone else's dream. Someone else's plan for you. You've got to figure out what it is for yourself. But most people, you said this earlier, you have to be willing to take the risk. You know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You have to be willing to take the risk in order to accomplish your goals in order to live a life of significance. And watch this, in order to help someone else live a life of significance. So unless you're willing to take the risk or risks as there, if I can put it in a plural form, you're not going to amount to very much or accomplish very much in your life.
2: Yeah, and to John's quote, right, happiness isn't a life of success, happiness is a life of significance, right? That's right. How many quotes, we could literally just fill an hour and say, well, I heard John say this, and I heard John say this. at least an hour. (laughs) The the guy has more stuff come out of his mouth that just absolutely floors me. He's incredible, isn't he? And it is, and the and the funny thing is, and we'll talk about speaking when we come back from break here in a second. But you know, the and you know this as a speaker, right? The the stuff that we say, even the people that come back, and, and that's one of the biggest blessings of speaking is when somebody you know comes back and. You know, you hit an event that you were at two, you know, two years prior, and they said you said this and that changed my life, mm-hmm. or I applied this or whatever. But it's so common sense to us, right? It's just we yeah. we put a connection in our head, and it's very very simple to us. But it was mind blowing to them. But the yeah. connections he makes, it's it's disgusting. It really is. <laughs> right. I, I, I have it, to say it. It
3: there. really can be, can it? <laughs>
2: But he has just an amazing way to relate to people and, and that kind of stuff. But you know, I I go on and on and with that. So we're going to go ahead and take our final break. We're going to come back on the other side. We're talking to Eric Watts of, of World Word. I did it again. Word <laughs> Talk Productions. Word, say Talk Word Productions. I want to say World so bad. I can. We're just going to change your URL to satisfy <laughs> me. It's Word Talk Productions. Word Talk Pro on Twitter. Eric Watts is our guest. We'll be back on the other side of the break. You're listening to The the Work-Life Balance.
0: Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day it's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage where applications aren't just part of your brand they are your brand all of this means you have a new mandate build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers or fall behind Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers servers, transmitters, satellites and receivers all powered by the most transformative force in business today. Software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you turn left ahead the digital road signs that direct you onward and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto-drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com.
1: Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at com. Now, back to The Work-Life Balance.
2: And we're back for our final segment of The Work-Life Balance this week. We've been talking all hour with uh, my man, Eric J. Wattsman. And Again, we met at the, the, the GMT event, uh, Instant Connection, had a great time, and you know, Eric, as we've talked through this hour, we've had a lot of uh, great pieces of advice. We've talked about delegate to elevate, everything else. But if you could have one thing for the audience to remember, what, what would that be?
3: Rick, I, you know, we have covered a lot of great stuff. And, I, again, I appreciate it. appreciate you, uh, you having me on again. The one thing I, I want everyone to remember, everyone who's listening to me right now, everyone who can hear me, I want you to pay attention to this one thing. If you didn't hear anything else, I want you to hear this one thing, and that's get in the car. You need to get in the car. And here's what I mean by that. Some of you have seen, many of you have probably seen, and if not, I encourage you to go see the first Transformers movie. You can rent it, Netflix, uh, Redbox, or something else. And in that first movie, you've got Bumblebee, who's a big, giant alien robot who's here on Earth as a beat-up, crappy, yellow, and black Camaro. Now, he's been given charge over Sam, who's a young man, and uh, and in high school at at this point. And early in the movie, Bumblebee is fighting and has defeated now the evil Decepticon robot, who's also a giant robot alien car. Because he was protecting that robot from Sam because Sam had some information that the alien, the evil alien robots wanted. So Bumblebee is talking to Sam and his friend Michaela, and he doesn't have uh, vocal cords, if you will, so he's talking to them through the radio and as sam is going back and forth with bumblebee about with questions bumblebee says to sam in out of a john wayne type voice out of the radio any more questions and he transforms from the giant robot form into this beat-up crappy black and yellow camaro and he swings open the passenger door and sam and Michael are at the bottom of this hill and they're looking up at bumblebee now transformed into this camaro and, and, and then Sam, that is, Sam turns to Michaela and says, I think he wants us to get in. And she's so struck by this, by what they're about to do, or maybe what they're about to do potentially, she doesn't even have any real words to say to him, but her face tells the story. And Sam knows this, and I love what he says to her. He says this to her, 50 years from now, when you're looking back at your life, don't you want to say that you had the guts to get in the car? Let me say that again, 50 years from now, When you're looking back at your life, you listening to me today, when you're looking back at your life, 50 years from now, 20 years from now, one year from now, today, don't you want to say that you had the guts to get in the car? You see, I don't know what the car is for you. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it could be for you. But you owe it to yourself and you owe it to those around you to live wide open and to get in your car, not tomorrow, not five weeks, not five years, today. Today is that day for you to get in the car because tomorrow's not promised. And there's something unique about you. You yourself are unique, and there's something great about what you've been called to do. Even if you don't know it, like Les Brown says, there's greatness within you. And the only way you're ever going to tap into that greatness and live the life the way your, the way you're supposed to, live your life the way you're supposed to, is you've got to get in the car. So if there's one thing that I want all of you listening to me to remember, it's time for you to get in the car.
2: Wow. And and only the great Eric Watts could pull a life lesson from Transformers. Because <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I, I got that great life meaning from that. But I'm going to pair that with... with I've got a motivational series that we're writing right now called No Day But Today, and, and you said something that, that mm-hmm. hit me there, which is tomorrow isn't promised. And so for those of you that have heard, heard my No Day But Today speech, and we talk about that, it comes from, from the play Rent, uh, and, and Rent talks about yeah. life and loss and, and all this stuff. It was written by the great Jonathan Larson, and, and the point behind Larson is he was going to change the Broadway musical forever. If you actually met him on the street, he was quite pretentious in that way. He'd introduce himself and he'd say, I'm Jonathan Larson. You would ask, what do you do? And he goes, I'm going to change the rock musical on Broadway forever. And you'd be like, really? Uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, the greatest thing he ever wanted to see was uh, a positive review of his play in the New York Times. And so it's the night before um, the opening night. They just finished the dress rehearsals and he's being interviewed by the New York Times. So that night he goes home and is making soup and he, his plays about to open on Broadway the next day and he can't wait to see that review and his actual he, his heart burst and he passed away that night and oh, wow. it turned out he actually did get a glowing review but he never saw it and his play did change the rock musical forever on Broadway he actually changed the the reason why there's a lottery on Broadway the reason why uh, so many things have changed in Broadway is directly due to the way Rent came out and the way Rent works. But there's this beautiful affirmation. It it turns out there's so much of Jonathan in Rent that it turns out he ended up writing his own memorial. And there's a beautiful affirmation in the play, and it it goes this way. It says, there's only us, there's only this. Forget regret, or life is yours to miss. No other path, no other way, no day but today. And it's the exact same message. Can't do a thing about yesterday, and tomorrow's not guaranteed. The only thing you've got is today. And so people ask me, how do you have the radio show? How do you have two companies? How do you do everything that you do? Coach your son's football team. Teach at your daughter's high school. Do everything that you get, you know, got going. And that's because today is the only day that I can guarantee I'm going to be able to accomplish anything in my life. Don't want to be right. morbid, but I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. So I can't right. put stuff off to tomorrow. I got today. So listen, Eric, it's been a pleasure, man. Loved having you on. Again, here's all of his information. So I'm going to run it down for everybody. If you've got a pen, please write this stuff down. I'm going to say it properly this time. It is Word Talk Productions. That is Word, W-O-R-D, WordTalkProductions.com. He's actually got a cool little applet that will pop up to allow you to schedule some time with him directly. Uh, So please visit that website. You can see him also on Twitter at at @WordTalkPro. Um, he's also on Instagram at that same thing at word talk pro. Uh, he is Eric E G E J W Watts on Facebook. Please contact him, get in touch with him, allow him to get into your life and motivate you, uh, learn all about, uh, uh, delegate to elevate. Uh, he's right there in Columbus, but he will come to you. I'm sure, uh, wherever learn. you are. And, uh, we've had, uh, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Eric, man, any parting words?
3: Rick, again, I appreciate it. I thank you. I appreciate the time. I appreciate everyone who tuned in to listen. And as Rick said, tomorrow's not promised. Today is the day, and today is the only day that matters. So whatever it is that you're supposed to do, if you don't know what it is, figure it out, get to it, go and do it. Today is your day. Start living.
2: We appreciate it, Mr. Watts. Uh, Again, New York City, coming to see you next week. Uh, We'll see you on the USS Intrepid, and in June 16, 17, see you guys at Fort Wayne, Indiana. As always, we love you listeners. Hit me up on Twitter at Rick A. Morris. You can come to www.rsquared, and squared is spelled out, so rsquaredconsulting.com. If you want to reach me it's also r morris at rsquaredconsulting.com we love you listeners and we will catch you next time on the work-life balance next week we've got princess q thrill who was oh, at the same table with me and eric watts at the jmt uh, event she's got a phenomenal story you're going to want to uh, tune in next week uh, to hear that uh, so we'll have princess on next week and uh, we will catch you guys on the next work-life balance thank you so much